Welcome back to Simon and White and the podcast at the center, the crossroads, if you will, of finance and business and media. I'm Christian White and joined as always by Mark Simon in a very festive Christmas setting. He'll say hello, Mark. Merry Christmas, everybody. Excellent. Merry Christmas. Well, uh, Joe Manchin, according to the media, has effectively killed the Biden administration agenda. Um, some of us have thought it was dead for a while beforehand, but he sort of finally put the the, the clear nail in the coffin. Uh, people saying this is anti-democratic. I don't understand. This isn't even a filibuster issue. Fact is, the Democrats in the Senate have at most 49 and maybe only 48 votes for their just for fun spending package, Build Back Better, um, that, you know, is supposed to be this great Keynesian spending thing. The, the, and no one seems to sort of point out, although I guess Manchin maybe is doing that, that the economy is actually growing and significantly and inflation is growing and maybe piling a couple, a few extra trillion dollars into the situation may cause um, some problems. Interestingly, the White House thought it would be good negotiating tactics to come out and, and just ridicule Manchin, basically say that he lied, that he uh, was two-faced. It's sort of like when uh, Joe Biden called Vladimir Putin a killer. You may think he is a killer, and maybe he is. A lot of heads of state are, actually. But is that a good negotiating tactic? Anyway, to me, this says that the Biden agenda, the legislative agenda, such as it was, is dead for now. They still have you know one more year until... Uh, midterm elections for a lot of mischief, but you seem to get less done in that that second year of a new presidency. Uh, Mark, is this sort of something to take comfort from or the idea of Democrat tax hikes dead for now? Um, I think probably until January 6th or 7th or something like that. I think that what they're hoping for, somebody said that Manchin's going to go home and hear from his constituents in West Virginia. Well, I think what he's going to hear is we're with you, Joe. Don't, don't do this. Look, I think if investors are looking at this, there's really two things they should they can take heart from and one thing to worry about. The first thing is maybe, just maybe, a lot of people are not all that excited about tax hikes in the U.S. Senate, in the U.S. Congress. In other words, let's not pretend that Joe Manchin is there all by himself. He's the guy that's sitting in West Virginia, is willing to do it, has a constituency that's behind him on this. He's okay. But I firmly believe the other maybe 11 or 12 moderate Democrats in the Senate. There's not that many of them left. Um, I, I sincerely believe that those guys are pretty happy that Joe's doing what Joe's doing. The, the second thing is, is something that we should take brief relief from in, in, the, in the taxes is, is basically also in this bill was masses of regulations. You know, there was a mass of new uh, uh, programs to basically have companies participate in, whether it's ESG or whether just the, the bill was just clotted with regulations that were going to come in. And we're also going to pe peel back some of the Trump stuff. And it would have been a new way for government to interfere in so many different ways. I mean, people forget that. The social engineering stuff, I, I think they'll never stop trying that. But here's the thing that I think is we're not going to get out of. I think basically Mitch McConnell sitting off to the side and going, ah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> now let's do a pure infrastructure, pork, 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 pork. Mm. And what are they going to do? They're going to spend. I think Biden would step in and take that win. And then, of course, he goes, you know, how does he vote against it? If, if McConnell proposes this $1.4 trillion dollar infrastructure program, steel, bridges, railroads, whatever the hell they're going to build, 
if he does this and they put it through, who's going to vote against it? They're going to have to get something done. So everybody gets all the roads they want. Everybody gets the bridges, the highways and everything. End of the day, maybe it, you get, we get some positive things out of it. But the inflationary measure is going to be huge. We've already got too many jobs chasing too few workers. We've got too many projects t- chasing too few raw materials. You just throw this money in there again, and it is going to be Katie bar the door in terms of inflation. I'm not one of these guys that believes, oh, this can add you know, 150 basis points to inflation. I never, I don't think people care about 50 basis points to inflation. Mm-hmm. And I'm a believer that inflation doesn't go up 50 basis points. I believe inflation goes up 4%, 5%. Once people, nobody sits around at their office and says, you know, like when I'm running hotels, uh, can we take our rates up? Can we take our room rates up 55 <laughs> basis points? No, I say, can we take them up 5%, 6%? When right. somebody goes in their boss's office and says, you know, I'm looking for a raise. I was hoping I could get 65 basis points off my raise. Nobody, you know, nobody does that. That's not the way it works. You could, you, Campbell's soup doesn't do stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I know that area. I know all those areas. So inflation is going to continue to rise. Maybe the people that own their houses, as we saw before we were talking, we learned that 66.6%, the devil's number, you know, 66.6% of Americans own their homes. So if you're a wage earner and your wages are going up and you own your home, hopefully you're doing okay. But a lot of other things are going to go up too. I, mm. I think really when you have bad policy and bad ideas, which I think the Democrats have bad economic ideas, I think when that happens, you don't get, no matter how you mix it, no matter how many bows and ribbons you put on it, it doesn't work. All right. Right. Well, you have also this is it's a backdrop of this just wild monetary expansion. So in addition to the fiscal piece, you have the monetary piece and the Federal Reserve um, still, uh, you know, uh, still printing money like there's no tomorrow. Now, they changed their tone in the last meeting. They said they'll increase the taper. But that's like saying, you know, I'm, uh, I'm doing heroin. And I thought that doing heroin would be good, but I realized doing heroin has some bad side effects. I'm not going to stop doing heroin, uh, nor am I going to cap the level of heroin consumption here. However, I'm going to reduce the increase of my heroin consumption, and maybe sometime in the middle of spring or summer, we will reach the peak of my heroin consumption, uh, and then we may raise interest rates too. <laughs> and no, it's like inflation is a problem. They said it was transitory, and now they effectively concede it is not. Uh, and so the answer should be end of monetary stimulus. M2 should go flat, uh, and interest rates should really go up immediately. Uh, and that's not happening. So mm-hmm. you have this, you really do have the stage set for stagflation, uh, mm-hmm. or certainly at least, um, you know, continued financially or fiscally and monetarily driven um, inflation. I just, I, I don't see the soft landing coming. Um, my primary fear is with this recent COVID surge, which is going to basically mean we take all these payments into March. In other words, I was, I was looking at up in Canada. And so Canada, our hotels just went to 50% space for dining. In other words, you know, now you could, if we had a hundred people in the room, now we can only have 50 people in the dining room. So that, that hurts you pretty badly. You know, you have to do some other things. It's, it's bone crushing to our waiters and waitresses, because quite frankly, December is a huge month 
for the F&B industry. It's massive. That's where you make this. Everybody's out partying. They're spending money. They're tipping big. Into the year is happening. It's a big, big time. But what we've seen is, and what we've continued to, to, to notice is, is that essentially this wage inflation is not bringing people back to the workforce. Mm-hmm. We, we are not picking up the phone and saying, hey, you know, we were paying $17 an hour. Now we're going to pay $19 an hour. And then everybody came back. That's not happening. We're retaining people with that. And we're getting some new people to transfer over who are at places that don't pay as well as we do. But that's, that we're seeing people come back out of the, you know, out to the workforce. I think that's not, that's not happening. My fear is, is that what happens is if we have a slowdown, we're going to see businesses say, okay, wow, it's really slowed down. And then we're going to put more people on the street. But, you know, basically one of the things we're looking at the labor market is probably all the way through March, we're again going to have people with no incentive to go out because, you know, the Omicron is what has been Ben Shapiro calls it. Omicron. I can't even say it right. The O, the O disease, whatever it is. It was, you know, it was supposed to be G. So let's call it that. Supposed right? to be G. But what's going to happen is, is so, you know, once you say, okay, it's a, it's a crisis. Well, the crisis has got to have a run period. So let's say it's crisis is December 20th. Well, we're going to keep it a crisis until February 1st or whatever it is. And then we'll cut off payments. You can't cut off payments February the next day. Oh, the last payment will be in March. Okay. So people who are sitting at home are not going to have any incentive again to go out and work. So, you know, the labor market is going to continue to stay tight. It's going to continue to be problematic. I I just don't really have a lot, to be honest with you, a lot of faith that inflation is going anywhere but up. And it's not, and like I said, it's not going to be 55 basis points. You know, so. <laughs> it's, it's bad. And, and actually, people understand how it's bad, despite the media trying to downplay this or explain it away or echo Biden administration or Federal Reserve talking points. Polls show that they do not approve of Biden's handling of this issue, and they do blame him for it. Um, you know, one other thing about the freak out over Omicron is that uh, once again, we have closures in the United States that are centered on New York just today, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, of course, the whole left coast. The rest of America is at work. Florida is normal. Uh, Texas is normal. Here in Colorado, even though we have a Democrat governor and a Democrat legislature, he basically said the crisis is over. Um, And you remember the crisis was originally, we just have to make sure that people aren't turned away from emergency rooms. uh, And, you know, (laughs) after two years and nearly $10 trillion spent on this, if uh, the government hasn't fixed that problem, I guess they probably never will. I mean, did, did none of that money go to expanding emergency rooms or having overflow capabilities yeah, no. for this or the next pandemic? I mean, well, I mean, I think, first of all, I mean, I, uh, I, I will give props to your uh, I'm talking like a youngster. I will give credit to your uh, governor of Colorado, who I thought basically said, look, I'm not going through this again. In fairness, the governor of Virginia, Northam, just kind of said the same thing, um, just not as eloquently. Um, Here's the thing. Let me tie in Joe Manchin to this. Have you noticed the people that say Joe Manchin's a threat to democracy tend to all be liberals and not over this issue? They can't believe this. We can't believe that. And I'm going to myself, I'm thinking of like, you know, Let's go back to the seventh grade or maybe the fourth grade when they said the state of Virginia has two senators. The state of West Virginia has two senators. You people in New York have two senators and those are your two senators. Okay, those are your two senators. 
we do not have the choice, the opportunity being from New Jersey or Virginia to tell the California or Colorado senators what they need to do. But somehow these people in the blue states think they have Joe Manchin has to do their bidding for them. You know what I'm saying? And I tie this in because that's the mentality I'm seeing now where people, as you said earlier, before maybe the people weren't listening, you said earlier, like all these reporters are in L.A., you know, the zip codes, L.A., Mm -hmm. New York, D.C., San Francisco, the four zip codes, and they think the world revolves around them. Well, what's happening is, is the world is not revolving around them. So if I'm an investor, here's what I'm telling people. First of all, two things. First of all, if you have any real estate exposure in blue states, get the hell out. And I'm, mm. I'm, I'm going to be one pretty soon. And I've, I've, I'm already, already getting out of some of these. These states are not competitive because just as they expense Joe Manchin to do their bidding for them, just as they expect to be able to get the salt exclusion, you know what I'm saying, to basically, you know, so they can have high taxes and then we all subsidize their high taxes. Okay. They expect not to have to compete in a federal system. Arkansas just announced that they're doing what? They're getting rid of their state income tax. The state in the Northeast that says no more state income tax will soar. But this is my point. All these blue states are losing people. With losing those people, they're going to be losing congressional districts. They're also losing their most productive people. Okay, now besides the homeless that go down to Key West to winter, you know, for the winter and then go back up. The fact of the matter is the go-getters, the people that care about their money, they're going south. And so, for example, you know, we have a friend. Bank, she's in New York representing a bank in Arkansas. So her partners are going to be paying zero state tax. She's going to be paying 11% tax. How does that, what do you think she's going to be looking to do in the near future? Probably Florida or probably someplace else. What people are seeing is the federal system working in terms of states being more competitive with each other. If you're investing in real estate, I would start chasing the states that are looking to be competitive and not the states that are not being competitive. And you can almost draw it. You can almost draw an investment portfolio based on who has the harshest COVID shutdowns because it's that regulatory mindset all the way through. It's the same people. There's the same. It's the same people all the way through. You can just you can see it. And it makes it hard because if you've got a state like Virginia where you've got all the communists up where I used to where I used to live in Falls Church in northern Virginia. But then you go down to Southwest Virginia, where my younger brother was a fire chief. You know, those are two, there's two different states. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe you do invest down in Southwest Virginia. New York, unfortunately, your problem in New York is, is that essentially the state legislature is controlled by now the city. Yeah. But that may change. That may change. A Republican legislature in the state of New York is actually a pretty good, it's actually a, a pretty good thing. But you know, is New York City, is really anybody, I mean, people always say New York City's coming back. And I'm always like, you know, I'm not so sure about that. You know, is anybody really moving to New York City? Everybody talks about people leaving, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The real thing is there was a really good study, I can't remember, I saw it the other day, it's California. It's, yes, people are leaving California, but the real thing is nobody's coming. Right. Except for, I hate to say it, low-wage immigrants. You know, which is fine as demographics and maybe the state will turn it around. But 
you know, nobody's paying for anything there. So if I'm an investor, I think the red states, the case is just becoming so obvious now. Right. And with the shutdowns, this applies to countries, too. I mean, I'm just shocked. Israel has a very high rate of vaccination and they're the first to shut down, except, of course, for Japan and Taiwan, which never reopened. But, um, you know, it looks like this is not going to be a passing phenomenon. I mean, now when a strong flu comes through five years from now, these countries will be like, oh, we need to close. So now people do business there. People have tasted power. And it's one of the things, uh, you know, I, I, I have somebody very close to me and he sits in these meetings at a state level and he said, you literally see the people from, he, I would say the red areas, looking at the people in the, in the blue. And it's like, they're, it's like a guy said, it's like you're watching a movie and you can see the people who just want to control everything and they're right there. And I, I, I wonder how much longer that's going to last. I, I, I wonder if it's sustainable. You know, I mean, we're, we're just seeing so many things, all the wokeism, all these things. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Shifting gears, although still touching on some of our favorite uh, ongoing topics like uh, China, like commodities, like wokeness in corporations, or at least bad decisions being driven by politics. Rio Tinto is a mining company. It's a UK mining company on paper. Of course, its big operations are in Australia, Brazil, some stuff here in America, all around the world. Uh, Just chose a Canadian ambassador to China as its CEO. Apparently, they bulldozed some uh, Aboriginal structures that no one really knew were there in Australia. Uh, Just a mistake, but they figure that'll help spruce up their image and they want to decarbonize, whatever that means for a giant mining company. You know, uh, Mark, a mutual friend, I won't quote the person's name, but uh, the person said, good to see that failing upward isn't just a feature (laughs) of American life. (laughs) Interestingly, though, this company... um, you know, if you just look at pure value, is attractive. It's only trading 5.6 times earnings, and it pays a 10.6% dividend. dividend. And, know. you know, if they actually continue to produce stuff while everyone else is switching over to sunshine and bunnies in the name of appeasing the climate change gods, you know, there may be something there. But I don't know. What do you think? So you're choosing someone who I assume is probably a panda hugger, I mean, Canadian ambassador to, to China to head your, 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 global, your, your global corporation. Uh, good move, bad move. What do you think? I think the only difference between these guys and Exxon is Exxon had basically civilized themselves so much that they had become, you know, their their shareholder meetings, you know, were basically uh, universities and 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 you know, it was just a very civil shareholder base. People who invest in Rio Tinto and things like that tend to. You know, I'm, I'm like it's like watching the symphony at the at the at the at the Exxon shareholders meeting, and it's kind of like Planet of the Apes, you know, at a Rio Tinto shareholder meeting. In other words, people who buy mining companies know what mining companies do. They they tear apart the earth, and everybody's fine with it. In other words, like you know, <laughs> Rio Tinto. I mean, I'm sure their 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 ESG guy is like the world's greatest liar. You know, yeah, we're not. <laughs> We're not ter- we're not digging up anything for gold, you know. So I mean, the thing is, is like it it is it is a different it is a different world. It's like you know, it's like describing. I was describing to a friend like the difference between dealing with like investment bankers, like trade investment bankers or suave traders on the floor of a of a of a of a, of a investment bank 
The traders are a little bit more rough, drinking around the edges, bad jokes. And then the crypto guys, you know, they're like the, they're like the cannibals in the other room that like, you know, we were missing an office boy because they had him for dinner last night, you know. <laughs> and so, I mean, these are the type of things that that are different. Rio Tinto, though, I mean, look, I, this is a guy who basically took two and two years and then what happened is, is in fairness, Joe Biden made the decision that we're going to get rid of Ming. And and so back the two Michaels came. He This guy was completely ineffective as ambassador to China. Um, he didn't do a good job. I happened to be in Canada about a month ago. He was being debated on TV. Uh, the Canadians are incredibly nice, kind people. And this guy was getting ripped to shreds by liberals who said, why did it take him so long? And, you know, essentially we put him there. And, and Barton has also been very bad on human rights. You know, he hasn't, he didn't push anything. He's his, every time something came up, my goal was the two Michaels. Look, they, they, they wanted somebody suave because they wanted someone to try to snow people. It doesn't look like the guy has any principles to me based on, you know, his positions and getting the two Michaels out. You know what I'm saying? I think history's mm-hmm. not going to be kind to him on that. And I think with Rio Tinto, it'll be the same thing, but I mean, does Rio Tinto pull an Exxon? I think the problem they're going to have is, yeah, feel free to go ahead, but the mining community is not going to change. I mean, you ever watch that TV show Gold Rush? I mean, yes. you know, I mean, yes. th- that's miners. Those are miners. That's 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 actually it. I have a little bit of exposure to the mining world because I invested in a couple of mining companies in Indonesia. And, you know, these are not these are not. um um, these are just not, and I used to, you know, when I was in shipping, we used to carry their equipment for them. You know what I'm saying? So I met this. You're just not dealing. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there, there's, there's not people who are, uh, you know, members of the uh, opera uh, many right. places. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, they're tough people. <laughs> they're really tough people. And a there's lot of a eccentrics great, too. There's a great there's a line in Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield where he interrupts the business professor who's getting everything wrong and missing a bunch of things <laughs> and he's like you know oh and you don't have any money in your budget for kickbacks you're gonna need that for uh if you want to have any garbage <laughs> hauled out <laughs> i don't know if you know who runs that business but it's not the boy scouts i assure you <laughs> <laughs> that is I, I hate to say it it is so true i mean we should do a we could do a whole show on like you know what what people expect and what people you know, don't expect in the world. It's one of the one things I love about the Chinese Communist Party. I absolutely love this about them. They don't care. You know, my daughter, my daughter used to walk around a couple of years ago. She goes, Putin. She Remember they said Putin don't care. That was her favorite thing. A little girl walking around going, Putin don't care. Putin, <laughs> Mary, clean up your milk. Putin don't care. And she's right. She don't care. You know, they don't care. And that's a great lesson for business people that, you know, you're going to run into people in your life that aren't that impressed with you. Don't care. They've done the math all the way down. They've written the equation of their brains that there's not one single thing you can do to them. They don't care. You know what I'm saying? You know, it doesn't matter. It's like, it's like when your car breaks down and you're 200 miles from any place, you know what I'm saying? And you know, the guy's leering at your wife and you're going like, she's going like, he's leering at me. And you're like, going, we're 200 miles from anywhere. Show him some leg, you know? <laughs> I mean, I hate, I hate to say it, but you know, that's the way that, that sometimes there are people in business that they just don't care. And I think, yeah. with, I think with Rio Tinto, if this guy tries to make them touchy feely, I, I don't think the investors will take, I mean, I think they'll be happy with it as long as they make a crap load of money, yeah. which is, with inflationary pressures, they probably they really will. should. Yeah. yeah. No, and I'm long on commodities. 
through an ETF, DJP. This goes nicely with our next story, our second to last, under Go Woke, Go Broke. So <laughs> West Side Story, uh, the classic, who has been remade by Steven Spielberg, who decided that uh, he wanted to correct the original, that it didn't contextualize the Puerto Rican experience properly. Um, this is uh, from um, Sky News Australia, actually reported on it. Um, and that he wanted to, to make it anti-racist. Apparently it wasn't sufficient enough to do that. Well, you know, this is so, um, so woke. This was a groundbreaking movie when it came out. It's also just a good movie, which incidentally, the new one by Spielberg is not. It cost him $100 million to make. Opening weekend, which is the big one, only $10 million bucks in the U.S., $5 million internationally. So uh, unless something magical happens, this is going to be a huge money loser. Um, and one other thing, the cherry on the cake is there are scenes that are all Spanish that they refuse to subtitle, even for English audiences, because, you know, hey, we're supposed to just speak Spanish now. How, how can you how can you look look at I mean, Officer Krepke, I I I have my secret shame and Stuart Varney has the same. I love musicals. I think musicals are great. You know, I I love everything about them. I mean, I think it's just fun. And I think the one thing is you just see how wonderfully talented some people are. You know what I'm saying? Like the show, I mean, all of a sudden you see these people and you're going like, you know, oh my God, this guy can sing. This guy can dance. I mean, in fairness, even in Les Mis, Russell, Russell Crowe is not bad. You know, people who say he's not good don't really understand what you actually get in that role of Javert. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so not to review musical theater, but Steven Spielberg, how, what arrogance is that to say that five, by the way, you know who did West Side Story, don't you? Five gay men. <laughs> all the creators of West Side Story, all of them, the choreographer, musical, Sondheim, all gay men. So somehow he's telling us that these men at their time who were cutting edge, just putting Puerto Rican actors and actresses up there, just using the words that they use. When you go back and you read, because I was reading about this, when you go back and you look at that or listen to someone like Roger Simon or some of the old people who talk about this, man, that thing knocked people off their seats, that movie. That movie was that movie was, uh, was just like Godspell to people for so long. So here comes Spielberg along, and he's arrogant. And this is what shareholders have to watch out for, just like we were talking about with Rio Tinto. This is the exact same thing. Rio Tinto can't afford a Steven Spielberg. They can't afford their new chairman. Steven Spielberg's in his 70s now, I think. He's you know, in his early 70s, maybe. I'm pretty sure he is. Would Steven Spielberg make this same exact movie 35 years ago? And the answer is no, because he'd still be competitive. Now he's just trying to please a certain group of people. He doesn't want any grief. He's like the old man who doesn't want to argue with people anymore. You know what I'm saying? And that's what he is. I, I hate to say it. That's what's happening here. How could he come up with this and be so arrogant? It's because he's so rich. What's he's, a, he's got to be a billionaire. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Okay. So he and his wife, Kate Capshaw, decide that they want to do something enlightening and they have to do all these enlightening and wonderful things. And then what happens? What comes out? Crap. Okay. Right. The fact of the matter is the entire thing. We all know that in Hell's Kitchen and in New York City, that the Puerto Ricans, the PRs that used them, the Irish didn't get along, and the Italians didn't get along, and they all didn't get along. And, and we know these things. You know what I'm saying? We know these things. And 
that but that's what gave it the tension the fact that so that they he, they weren't allowed to be together okay so when you take all this away from it that's it and you know they, what's this whole thing no spanish subtitles you know what i'm saying <laughs> what so somehow somehow like the asian americans in the room are going to be held responsible you know what i'm saying or the people that just immigrated from afghanistan are supposed to know you know that that they go there you ruin their experience because of this wokeness the, the, the fact is is these people are absolutely and you know you know you and i you travel a lot i travel i mean we're all over the world and uniquely the people that are the most closed-minded people i meet it's not the the soldiers who deploy from arkansas or from idaho or from texas you know it's not those guys it's the elites that sit around and think nobody else can be like them. And so my point is, is like Steven Spielberg took somebody's money and believe me, I'm sure it was a more than a hundred million dollars. I'm sure it was a hundred million dollars to make the thing because Spielberg probably can't get out of bed without spending a million bucks a day. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're not, they, they, I actually looked into this, Christian. They don't talk about the marketing budget, production oh. budget of a hundred million dollars. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, okay. Wow. Production mm -hmm. budget of a hundred million dollars. Marketing budget, probably once they knew they had a dog, that's it. And I'll finish the seg this point off with this. Guess what just opened? And I, watched, I read two reviews, conservative organizations. John Nolte had a review. Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man movie, $500 mm -hmm. million. Dollars. Wow. All the conservatives saying decidedly not woke. Nothing woke about it. Good. It's just a story on that and i spoiled I, yeah, I spoiled part of my son today so he's furious with me but <laughs> but 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 you understand my point my point is really that I, investors watch out watch out for these ceos who basically are always spouting this bullshit okay excuse my language and because they're spending your money when they're doing it they are spending your money and it's like milton friedman always said their companies don't do social goods Companies make products, they provide services, they get money, give the money to the employees, let the employees go out and do social good with their own right. money. That is their contribution. That I think is their it was John Warner was the original Warner Brothers guy who when when writers, when whoever would come to him and say, Oh, we have to send this message. If you want to send a message, call Western Union. Fortunately, it's a dated example now since no one sends telegrams anymore. But it's right. And that was when Hollywood was really full of commies. So if he stood up to uh, the zeitgeist then, then surely the yeah, uh, I mean, jellyfish who run studios today. Might, uh, give it, it look, it, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm almost convinced that basically we should fire every CEO over the age of 55. So I just took myself out. And then everybody is then put on two-year contracts after that mm -hmm. and it's all about performance okay because you see these guys get comfortable in these big tech companies and all these other places and then they just start doing things to where the shareholder doesn't matter yeah. they don't care doesn't matter to them you know i mean really it's the same thing as the investment company the investment banks when they're cheating and stealing and somebody gets caught and they said oh we need a 400 million dollar fine you know, I mean, imagine the 1970s if they said we need a 50 million dollar fine at Goldman Sachs. John Whitehead would say, here, take him, put him and his four buddies in jail for 20 years. I'm not writing you a check for 40 million. I'm not giving you 40 million dollars of the shareholders money. Right. You know, now 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 look at that in Malaysia. You can go rip off an entire country and you uh, can come back. And, 
Yeah, and then, and then what happens? But anyway. No. All right. Well, then uh, that sort of wasting lots of money brings us to our final segment, which uh, I have titled as Thank You for Not Giving. So that's that's giving away the, the advice at the beginning here. But uh, NYU, New York University, Wall Street Journal came out with a report. This is NYU grad programs. Shocker. Leave students and parents with the most crushing debt. This is a school with a $5.8 billion endowment. So $5.8 billion in the bank. They still manage to charge undergraduate tuition when you combine it with other costs of living in the city. That can come up to $320,000. Granted, a lot of people pay less than that. Um, it turns out film is the worst. If you get a film degree from NYU, you can end up with debt that exceeds your income by a factor of five. Publishing is pretty bad, too. At the other end of the spectrum is computer science, where you may actually have a decent shot of making your debt payments without help from the parents. Uh, you know, we come up on the, uh, the season, I guess, actually, we're close to the end of the year, so maybe people are done with their charitable decisions. But I always urge people not to give to their alma mater. You know, I went to Tulane, which isn't as woke and left-wing, but it's getting there as uh, these Ivy League schools and these Northeastern schools, it's just across the board. Uh, I mean, maybe if you could give the money direct to the football team, although I can think of better uses uh, still, but um, yeah, these, you know, these institutions are out of control and seem to be just fine putting people into crushing debt. Look, I, I think the thing is, is that when you look at university, we've got a school down the road from history university, and I have some insight into that school. And, you know, they have now as many administrators as professors. <laughs> you know, uh, imagine going even to a bloated New York City public school and have as many. I mean, what in New York City, I think it's it's one administrator for every four teachers in the school system. You know what I'm saying? So there's still more teachers. Right. You know, I'm not talking about the central stuff. because that The problem that we have is, again, it's other people's money. And, you know, and this the, the, the lack of the lack of caring. I mean, you know, essentially the, the federal government, you know, we give more student loans to people and then they take them. And the fact of the matter is, is like, you know, I just bought my son a car and he couldn't get a loan for a car for twenty thousand dollars. You know, it was twenty thousand bucks. He's, you know, a used car. So, of course, I paid for it. He's 20 years old. He's in college. And, you know, I, I signed the signed the papers and all that good stuff. But the fact is he can't do that. But you know what he can do? He can sign up for $20,000 in student loans. At least the car, there's a collateral. Right. And there's somebody who co-signed. But he, on his own at 20, can sign for certain loans down the road. Now, they'd love to get my signature on there. But even if I don't, there's a way for him to get those grants. And, you know, he's fortunately, he's a tech major, so he'll do probably okay in life. But the fact of the matter is... Uh, you know, a lot of people don't. And you look at the degrees in that story, film major. Who, who is advising this child? You know what I'm saying? Who's advising this? And their child, that's a child. A child who, just because they're 24 years old, a child who goes, I want to be, be a filmmaker. And then when you hear them whine, that's the funniest thing about it in the story. And it's not funny, it's sad. You know, they talk about how they can't get a job or it's like, you know, Mr. Fishkel or whatever it is. Mr. Fishkel is, you know, at 32 years old, is still an assistant second director, you know, working for a Toronto-based film documentary company, you know, and you're like going... You know, what was he thinking? It's it's really it's 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 really like I say, I think it's a it's a first world problem that basically first world people create for themselves. And then you get they get out there and feel that they're somehow not happy about life. One of the things that we are seeing and it's not to be a different subject, but we are seeing men not going to college. And I think that is everybody's appalled by that. What's happening here? What's happening? This is awful. 
You know what's happening? A lot of men are figuring out that, you know what, I don't want to go to college. I don't want to take four years out of my life um, to drink beer and party. You know what I'm saying? And really, and I can't do that anymore because you can't drink on campus when you're 18. And maybe I, I don't want to do this. And they're not, they're not going to school. And they're saying, you know what, but I can get a job with Ron Johns doing something here, you know, Ron John technical, or I can go work in the oil sands or something like that. And I can mm-hmm. start out after my, after my high school summer, I go to work and I'm making, you know, 55 grand a year in six months. And I got a car, I don't have any debt, you know, and all these things. And it's, it's really funny. I, 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 we have a friend and he's the model of the future. And Mr. Hampton Curtis is five years older than me. But when I was in high school, when I was in high school, everybody thought he was crazy. He got out of high school. He did one year in college. He was in Virginia Tech or something. Didn't like it. Joined the U.S. Merchant Marine. Got on a Merchant Marine ship for five years. Came back, of course, after five years on a Merchant Marine ship. Had about $500,000 in the bank because it's all tax-free that he earns abroad. Came back to Northern Virginia. Bought at the age of like 25 bought like a $400,000 house. This was like, you know, this was 30 years ago. I mean, it's a big honking house in McLean. You know what I'm saying? Sits on like two acres. He was a skilled machinist, got a job down with some power company. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't, he's not a grease monkey anymore. He worked his way up on the ranks. He's doing fine. Guy probably makes, I'll bet he makes 200 grand a year. You know what I'm saying? Still, he's probably getting ready to retire here pretty soon. Still has the big honking house, has five beautiful kids or four beautiful kids. You know what I'm saying? How is the, how is how how did not going to college hurt him? Right. And and I think we're gonna see more and more of those stories that you don't need to go to college. It's the reason why I'm a huge fan of Peter Thiel. I just think Peter's problem was Thiel's Peter Thiel's problem was he gave the hundred thousand dollars to the kids to start their business. Is A, it's not enough, and B, they didn't know what to do. You know, mm-hmm. it, 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 he, he, he didn't, they need to get experience. Yeah. But, to you, but I read about these people at NYU and I, I know we kind of chuckle, but you're a good guy. And I know why you, I know this outrages you because you know that these people may never get out of this debt. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. mean, these, that I you read about these people and they may never get ahead. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, you know, you know, do you know the major payment that happens after parents die of baby boomers, the number the number one payment, it's pay it's it's not paying off it's paying off student debt. Wow, I was told that, that the other day, and I, I and I believe it because when your parents die, let's say they leave you a couple hundred thousand dollars, well, you can handle your mortgage. You know what I'm saying? So maybe you mm-hmm. pay down the mortgage, but what do you really pay off? <laughs> pay off the student debt. That's. It's just it's amazing. A, yeah. It's another one of these things where uh, a little bit of a free market. I mean, bankers can be enormously frustrating and make excuses that and and decisions that defy yeah. logic. A lot of that is driven by a regulation or a law, um, so you can't blame them entirely. So I'm not, you know, I'm not completely in their court. But a free market in student loans, so you could say, oh, okay, yeah, you want to go to NYU? Oh, well, you know, you're really good at math and you're doing computer science. Okay, sure, that's one thing. That's okay. Oh, you want to be in film, huh? Or you want to get an English master's? Well, you better be the best English or history. 
uh, right. that high school has ever seen. And, you know, maybe we, maybe, you know, you have a good prospect of marrying someone rich or you have parents who can tell right. you out, you know, but if it's, if it's, if, if you're broke and you're young and you want a ton of money to get a film or, uh, you know, name your sort of questionable degree, then the answer would be no, if it were from a banker with someone with some skin in the game, but since it's government backed and it's essentially another, uh, market that has been completely perverted by government. You have these these bad outcomes. I, I I just I just think I always I talked to a friend the other day, and he's paying for his daughter's medical school. And you know one of the reasons he's paying for it? He's paying you know he's paying for his daughter's school. He doesn't want her to get out of college and have so much debt that she couldn't afford to really get married and have kids. And he's basing that on real life, that um, we know somebody. He's basing it on real life that some people get out and they just have to work so hard and they have to take assignments or do things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as a parent, you know, as you are and I am, you know, do we really want our kid graduating with tremendous amounts of debt? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'd li- I'm going to saddle my, my boys and my daughter don't realize that. I'm going to saddle them with a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Because I want them to, <laughs> sure, I just want them to have a payment when they walk out the door, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if, People don't realize, like, if they buy a car, that's they at least that's four hundred dollars a month, and if they have a rent, you know, I mean, there's a lot of money that they have to start getting out of their pockets. Which again, let's get back to why we invest in red states. Because if you live in New Jersey making a hundred thousand dollars here, you pay them eleven thousand dollars. If you make a hundred thousand dollars in Florida, guess what? You don't pay them. Right. No, it's a big makes a big difference. It makes a big difference, especially if it's going to be over a long term or if you have a pop (laughs) in income. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 that's that that's it's exactly it. But anyway, but look, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. And I look forward to talking to you. And I think in the new year, since these a lot of this has been practiced, you and I getting this down, I think in the new year, we're going to have some things to talk to people about, about, you know, a little bit bigger. Absolutely. And for that reason, if you like what you see, if you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to our channel, please. If you're listening to an iPad, please follow us or subscribe in your uh, in your podcast catalog. And we'll be back again soon. Merry Christmas.